he is immortal. Born in the highlands of Scotland 400 years ago, he is not alone. There are others like him, some good, some evil. For centuries, he has battled the forces of darkness with holy ground, his only refuge. He cannot die unless you take his head and with it his power. In the end, there can be only one. He is Duncan MacLeod, the Highlander. And welcome into Let's Watch Highlander. This is Let's Watch Highlander Season 2, Episode 14, Unholy Alliance, Part 1. And part one. here to talk with you about it, I am Travis, a.k.a. TV's Travis, and joining me, as he does every week, is Audie. And Audie, how you doing this week? Doing good, man. Before we get started, can I just say how much I still love the theme song to this show? Like, this is one I don't skip. Nope. No, I don't either. Uh, we were what, like 30, almost 40 episodes into this thing, and I still listen to that chopped up version of Princess of the Universe every time. Yep. Doesn't get old. Um, so this was a, a fun little start of a two-parter mid-season kind of uh, thing going on. And um, yeah. and we, we do have a Watcher Chronicle, so Ooh, cool. yeah. Uh, why don't we listen to that, and then um, I'll give a kind of a, I'll do the recap of the episode. Sure. Sound good? All right, we'll do that. So here's that Watcher Chronicle now for Unholy Alliance, part one. February 21st, 1994. Xavier St. Cloud has reappeared. This time, he has mortals working with him. They're ambushing other immortals and shooting them, wounding them enough for St. Cloud to waltz in, take their heads, and their quickening. I'm curious to know how he's able to recruit these mortals. I wonder what he's told them. He's already taken a head in Paris, another one in New York, and he just boarded a plane for Seacouver, Washington. I'd better warn Joe Dawson. It seems like Xavier might be looking to settle a score with Duncan McLeod. So this episode opens up in Paris, and we see uh, an immortal and his wife. Apparently they run some kind of a flower shop. Uh, they mm-hmm. He feels an immortal coming and is sort of... I, I get the impression that maybe he's been not in hiding, but not really part of the game for a little while. Right. Um, based on, on how his wife reacted, but, uh, mm-hmm. funny. He never ran into Duncan there. Yeah. I, I thought that was interesting, but he, we, it turns yeah, out that yeah. he's friends with him, uh, according to, right. or, or at least knows him according to Joe Dawson later on. Anyway, the guy goes out into the alleyway and there's Xavier St. Cloud, who we haven't seen since season one when Duncan chopped his arm off. Um, and now he's got a hook for a hand. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Xavier talks about, well, I used to use poison gas, but it's so inelegant. And now I've got a new thing. And he opens up the door of a van and two guys jump out with automatic weapons and mow the dude down. He cal- calmly walks over and takes his head. And then we see the, basically the same thing play out in a parking garage. Um, I think it's stamped as New York city. And mm-hmm. so says that later. Yeah. So Xavier's back. Uh, meanwhile, Duncan and Charlie are out at a museum or somewhere. They're, they're wandering around doing, doing Duncan and Charlie things. And uh, yeah. Dun- Duncan notices somebody's following him. So he confronts the man who turns out somehow, <laughs> which I love this, but he turns out to be an, an old army buddy of Charlie's named Rick Davis. So right. 
of course he's he's telling Charlie, "Hey, get your buddy off of me here." And Duncan, who is understandably still paranoid about the Watchers, even though as the show has gone, like the last few episodes, we haven't really touched on them much. Um, but he uh, he storms off. He's he's not happy about what's going on. Uh, and then Dawson just shows up um, at the at the loft and mm-hmm. tells Duncan about an immortal beheading other immortals with the help of gunmen. And when Duncan asks him why he's telling him this, his only response is, I thought you'd want to know, which mm-hmm. I thought was kind of interesting because it's just cagey enough where you're not quite sure where Joe's coming from, but also like, yeah, he just wants to, to give Duncan a warning. That'll come into play right. later. So <clears throat> after Dawson leaves, we get a, a quick flashback. We'll talk about that one. It's very short. Um, and then Xavier shows up at the dojo and he's looking for McLeod's head and he's going to kill Charlie in the process. And the gunmen come in and they just light the place up and mm-hmm. turn everything into Swiss cheese. And the only way that Duncan and Charlie get out of it, there's two things that get them out of it. Number one is Duncan pulls the fire alarm on the building. Right. But, but even more important than that is that the two-man gun team suddenly couldn't hit water if they fell out of a boat. Right. He's like, are we <laughs> stormtroopers now? What's going on? Yeah, I mean, they unload two full magazines in that scene and don't even nick either one of them. I I, I found that hilarious. Yeah, um, especially considering the two times before, but we'll get into that. Yeah. So uh, they take off. Both Charlie and Duncan are okay. Um, Charlie figures that Davis has to be involved based on the, the military precision with, with, shows, with which those men moved. Um, again, uh, take that with a grain of salt. But they go, so Duncan and Charlie go to question Davis, and they find him dead of an apparent overdose, which Charlie, of course, doesn't believe because, as he puts it, the guy couldn't even handle a flu shot, let alone take drugs <laughs> intravenously. Right. As, as they're leaving, we see a woman in a car watching them, and... Uh, they take off. Duncan goes to talk to Dawson again, uh, tells him, look, I know it's Xavier. Um, and, and Dawson's like, what does he want? And all this. And Duncan's telling him, just stay out of it. Let me handle this. Cause it, for Duncan, it is personal. Mm-hmm. Then we find out that, uh, the woman that was following Duncan, she, she shows back up and she's army CID, right? Criminal investigation right. division. And she was following Davis actually is why she's there. Um, Duncan, Duncan doesn't fully trust her necessarily. And he also isn't quite sure where Joe's coming from on that. And, um, throughout the course of the episode, we find out Horton is still alive. Yeah, he is. And not only is Horton still alive, he's working with Xavier. Yeah, he is. And not only is Horton still alive and working with Xavier, but Dawson knew that Horton was alive. Yay. So, going to be interesting. We also have quite a few special mm-hmm. guests, so uh, I think yeah. we'll talk about them. All right. Oh, no problem. You guys want to talk. I've got other things to do. Don't go. You know what they say. The more, the merrier. So, special guests this week, we have basically three. Um, and we'll start with Roland Gift of, uh, of fine young cannibals fame is back as Xavier St. Cloud. And he doesn't have a huge role. Like he's, 
he's the main immortal villain, but there's so much going on in this episode that he's only in a few scenes. But he's mm-hmm. so good. He's still so good as yeah. Xavier. Like, I just like I like him. I, I liked him because they didn't make the role too complex for him. Right. It it can play into just let him have his natural charisma because he really does have a very mm-hmm. the whole. I mean, he's just smarmy and slimy, and you can tell he just enjoys everything that he's doing. He enjoys yeah. being bad, and I like that. Yeah. This is one of those things where it's like, if you didn't know that he was the lead singer of Fine Young Cannibals, you would think he's a seasoned actor and mm-hmm. not just a musician performer. But I think it's one of those things where a really you know, good musician performer can transition into acting so well, and he does it amazingly. Sure, absolutely. Again, if you don't make things too complex, give them give them a very archetypal like. Look, you're you're a hedonist, right? And that's basically what Xavier Saint Cloud is. Like he just does what he wants because it feels good to him. So he's right dressed well, and he's eating the caviar, the golden caviar, and all this kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah, and he just he just chews it up, and I love that. Um, so yeah, it's great. And you know the, I mean. There's a little bit of you got to kind of disconnect with the um, the hook hand just because you can tell that that arm mm-hmm. is a little bit longer than the other one because it's a yeah. it's just fitting over his normal arm. But honestly, they pull it off fairly well. Yeah, for the most part, 90s TV budget thing, you're not going to be able to do a perfect kind of, you know, lost hand. I mean, these days you do it with CG and stuff. So Right. Yeah, and even a TV budget could do that decently. Mm-hmm. Um, well, just look at what they do in, in like doing... something like Falcon and Winter Soldier, where his his arm is uh, fully CG'd like that. So, yeah, mm-hmm. but but you know it works. The the night yeah. part of it is that you don't pay attention to that hook, even though you would think they would try to draw attention to it. Your your attention is drawn to his, the rest of his look, the the really fine clothes mm-hmm. and the way he carries himself. When he walks into the dojo and he's got on that suit and the big silk scarf and that hat. And, you know, Charlie right. Charlie makes the line, the comment, you know, hey, the opera's on the other side of town. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's so great. But I also just love the way he delivers lines. His voice is just syrupy and mm-hmm. and it's just so good. Um, so I was glad yeah. to see him come back. And it's a character. We're, we're returning a character uh, that's mm-hmm. from a previous episode, which for me is always kind of cool to see, especially for an evil immortal, because right. I don't I, I know for a fact that they didn't it wasn't like this was planned in season one to have Xavier come back and do a two parter in season two or anything like that. But they were ambiguous enough with that particular episode, which, if you remember, was one that we mm-hmm. both liked a lot. Right. And part of it was got we liked, hand off. Yeah. He got his hand cut off, and then he jumped in the river. Yeah. He was like, okay, guess he's gone. Xavier's a bit of a survivor, right? He's a hedonistic mm-hmm. killer, but he's also crafty and a survivor. So once his arm got cut off and he knew he wasn't going to beat Duncan, he just jumped in the river and took off. So yep. it gave them an out, and it gave them the ability to bring him back here, and I'm glad that they did because he's fun. Um, and, and I think Roland Gift makes for a decent foil for Duncan because – He's he's tall enough. He's good looking. He has a presence about him that makes it feel as though he would be um, somewhat of an adversary for Duncan. 
Mm-hmm. And he's calculating. So he matches wits with Duncan in a way some others have not. So keeps you on your toes. Yes. And he's relentless. I mean, he just wants something and goes after it. Um, right. And that, that plays For a lot. Sure. And, and, and he happens to be uh, teaming up with the other big bad villain from season one who uh, we thought died, but apparently mm-hmm. didn't. And that's James Horton, played by Peter Hudson. And just like Roland Gift, man, Peter Hudson just dives into this role and has so much fun with it. Like, you can tell yeah. he enjoys playing Horton. Oh, yeah, for sure. All right. So here's the thing I bumped on. I could not remember if we saw a burial scene with him in first season. Did we see that? There was the 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 there was a bit of a flashback right towards the end of the episode and they flashed back to Joe coming out of a mausoleum and I want to say right. we saw that like the nod that's what between... I was wondering if that was uh something we saw or was that something that was cut out and now we're putting it back as a flashback I don't remember well enough it would be it would have been from the first episode of season two because that okay. was um that that was where Duncan killed uh, um, Horton. He stabbed right. him. He stabbed him in that warehouse when his daughter showed up and all that kind of stuff. I, right. All that, it would have been in that yeah. one, and I, I feel like that happened, but maybe not, and maybe okay. that was just, we're going to throw this in as, you know, hey, here's what happened. Yeah. Either way, I, I mean... back and watch that. Yeah, it works either way, but... Oh, oh yeah. Just Horton... The thing with Horton is... He ha- and and he has one of my favorite lines in this episode, which is, I'm the man you can't kill. Yeah. Which is so good, right? These immortals battling each mm-hmm. other, and here's this guy that Duncan, you know, he's killed him, or so he thought, and he's still alive. And he's flaunting it in his face. Mm-hmm. And that was just... a weird question I had, too, about that. Yeah, what's that? Like, well, one, Holy Ground works for mortals, too? What? So, yes, uh, and I have this clip I want to play because exactly this. Holy ground, McLeod. Shame on you. You're forgetting the rules. Those rules don't apply to people. In fact, Horton's people killed an immortal on holy ground. On holy ground. In season one. So, yeah, that was a little... When I was watching this, I was like, hey, wait a minute. So they, they were still like... I think they still didn't quite know or they just letting that... My guess, more than anything, Horton is really manipulative of Duncan. And he just, right. I mean, he doesn't like immortals at all, but he really hates Duncan. And so it, it feels almost like like something that he's doing just to get under Duncan's skin. Like he knows that rule is for immortals. And then he brings up Xavier right after it. But you're right. I, I had the same thought, which yeah. is like, no, that rule doesn't apply to you. He could kill you right here and, and it wouldn't matter. The other thing I thought was like, okay, Duncan, you don't have to kill the guy, but you got a sledgehammer. Take out his knees. Right. Yeah. You know, just 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 make it so he can't run away. Right. <laughs> then right. you can call exactly. Joe and find out what's really going on, instead mm-hmm. of because that was another moment where right. you know he asked him what Dawson knows, and of course Horton's going to tell him, well, we're a family. Right. You know, and, I, and how's how is Duncan not going to know any different at this point? He doesn't know who to trust. Yeah. So he does but, not have that relationship with Joe yet. No, he doesn't. Uh but man, just 
Horton as a character is great. He's just yeah, just he straight up evil. That whole scene though with the two of them face to face was really mm-hmm. good. Like that was just right. so well done. Mm-hmm. And then we had a third really Yeah, we had a third special guest, and that was Stacy Travis as Renee Delaney. Um she is an army CID special agent uh who was tailing Ricky Davis and mm-hmm. um ends up kind of she tries to trick Duncan. Duncan didn't entirely fall for it, but he sorta went went took the bait anyway. Um Yeah. She is she's headstrong, she wants to help. She she has no idea what she's getting involved in at all. Um and it feels like a character that they're trying to set up to be a recurring character. Yeah. Now we're gonna find out if that happens or not, but I, I, I feel like we not aren't going to get that payoff because I don't remember her much. Right, me either. Although she does in some ways fit the um reporter Randy from season one, but far less annoying. Right. Oh yeah. And even the little connection she makes with Duncan, especially in the hospital um chapel. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, we're trying to do something here. I think it's kind of just throwing it at the wall, seeing if it sticks. Yeah. That that that's a great way to put it. It does feel like they were kind of test driving to see, oh, how's this going to go? Is this somebody we can bring back later type of thing? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, a less annoying version of Randy, but also, you know, kind of on her own. Uh, it's interesting to have somebody that's Army CID and the the um, kind of resources that she would have at her disposal. Yeah. So, I mean, all in all, solid, solid special guests, right? Roland Gift oh, yeah. and Peter Hudson kill it. And Stacey Travis, she's not bad. She's fine. The oh, yeah. character's a bit weak, a little paper thin. Um, yeah. But Stacey Travis nails it. I mean, she's good. Mm-hmm. You know, she plays the yeah, kind of... You, you can definitely believe her in her position. Mm-hmm. Oh, sure. Like, you know, even when she's trying to do the kind of ditzy bimbo thing uh, to lure Duncan in, like, she plays that off mm-hmm. well. That's a yeah. that's a charming scene between the two of them. Um, the the scene that you mentioned in the chapel. So she's good. I just didn't care for that the character a whole lot. But, you know, yeah, that is what it is. It's a weird character. But contrasting that with, uh, with bringing Horton and St. Cloud back, I'm all about that. So we're good there. <laughs> yeah. Solid, solid work from our special guests. Mm-hmm. Hopefully someday you get to understand. If I live 400 years. Sometimes it takes longer than that. Uh, we do have a flashback in this episode. We really only have one short flashback, but there's a reason for that I'll get to in a second. Um, mm-hmm. So the flashback goes back. Duncan is still, appears to be a fairly young immortal because he's still got his full Highlander gear, his big uh, kilt, his big furs, his super long hair. And mm-hmm. he's he's teaching uh, this younger kid about um, he's teaching him chess. So apparently he's he's some sort of a mentor for this young kid who's probably like the clan leader's son or something like that. Right. They don't really. I mean, they don't give us any background as to who this kid is. We we don't even. I don't even think we hear his name. Um, I don't think so. But he's just kind of a. Yeah, and he's just kind of a, a, a little dingus. Um, and then while they're gathering up the stuff from their chess game, uh, another immortal shows up. And it, mm-hmm. essentially this flashback is just a, a quick way to be like, hey, look, there's unbreakable rules. 
Um, right. And then it shows Duncan punch the kid out to keep him from interfering. And then he has his one on, and then, and then there's apparently the a one on one fight. He does that this episode. Right. Yeah. That does foreshadow something. Um, but it's, it's a very short flashback. Uh, the costuming looked great. I, and I do always mm-hmm. like seeing Duncan in that full kind of Highlander um, get up. <laughs> yeah. That's always great. Uh-huh. Uh, now it's short because they gave some runtime that probably would have gone to like period flashbacks to some flashbacks to season one. Right. Um, when Xavier shows up uh, and Duncan D- Duncan remembers back to fighting him on the barge. Um, mm-hmm. We see him get his arm chopped off. And then I think there was one other one. But but that took up some of the runtime that would have gone to your normal like bespoke flashback for this episode. Um, right. And one other thing I have to mention, because I will I will never forgive myself if I don't. And I don't know if you noticed this or not, but I noticed it this time watching it. When the flashback starts and they're sitting there playing chess, you can clearly see the white spandex like bike shorts that Adrian Paul is wearing under his kilt. The way Did he's not that. the way he's sitting, you see the the leg. It's like mid thigh length spandex shorts that he's wearing underneath That's his kilt, funny. and that cracked me up. I couldn't not see it after that. So all I could picture was. He's not wearing his kilt in a traditional style. Oh my gosh. <laughs> nope, that's not traditional. The one thing I noticed is when they threw all the chess pieces into that bag and then the kid threw it over his shoulder, you didn't latch that bag. All that stuff's coming out. <laughs> right. right now. Yeah. I was like, oh, that's good, great. Good job. So, yeah, not much of a flashback, but it looked fine. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's, again, uh, a cheap one to shoot, right? Because they only need like right. three costumes, a horse, and they can shoot it out in the woods. Mm-hmm. I think it's also interesting the flashback to season one where you know they remind us that Duncan took Xavier's hand. I don't think they would do something like that the production these days. I think they'd talk about it or mention it. I don't think we'd get a weird flashback like that. I think that's that feels like more of a product of this show and the product of the '90s that I don't think we would do today. Oh, for sure, because we've seen that a couple times this season. Uh, mm-hmm. How many times they did it like? half of the first episode of this season was flashbacks to see the the finale of season one and stuff with Darius and all that. So yeah, that is definitely something that would, they would reference it. They might, uh, but they wouldn't just show a chunk of footage from the previous episode. Like Mm -hmm. that's, that's definitely an older style of production. Especially with this show being syndicated the way it was, that's probably what they're thinking was like, who knows when they'll see this episode. Yeah. Let's make sure it's always a reminder. Yeah, because again, these this show isn't done in a serialized format. It's very much a syndicated show. So these episodes mm-hmm. are meant to kind of be self-contained stories. There's some overarching kind of um, stuff, but on the whole, the idea was that these are going to run all the time out of order and it doesn't matter. So Right. But yeah, I, I, I think I would have liked more flashback uh, and kind of more context for the one that we got that was shot. Yeah. Because as far as I understand and remember, we have no idea who that immortal was that came up to fight him, and we may never hear that name again. I thought it was, it was the guy that was the first immortal killed that Joe said Duncan knew. No, it was a different name, I think, altogether. Oh, okay. I believe so. It didn't look like the same well, actor. All- it was hard to tell with all that armor he was wearing. I yeah, I just kind of was thinking that, but you know. And I'm then, um, 
Yeah, and then the showing a bunch of stuff from season one. Um, mm-hmm. Which, you know, I mean, we got a sword fight, so that was cool because it gave us an extra yeah. sword fight in the episode. Mm-hmm. It felt, it definitely felt like a flashback that was part one of a flashback that we were going to see later in the episode. We never did. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. I didn't think about that. That would have been kind of nice to see some sort of resolution. And I think, I think had it not been uh, a Xavier St. Cloud centric episode, we probably would have. It's almost yeah. like they, they just kind of threw that together as a quick little, little slapdash feeling, but you know, not bad, just quick. Yeah. He's always killed for profit before. What's he after? Why did he break the rules? Well, maybe he's not as handy as he used to be. So once again, no Richie, and that's fine. We know he's gone. He, we're not going to probably see him for a little while. Um, Charlie, in the episode, gets a lot to work with. I actually, this might be to date my favorite kind of subplot with Charlie. Because... Right. To this point, we've seen we've seen Charlie with the chip on his shoulder, but we've also seen Charlie and Duncan really get along. Charlie questioned Duncan a few times on things, and Duncan kind of brush it off, and Charlie sort of, he, he bristles at it, but he's sort of like, eh, what am I going to do, kind of thing. Right. And this time, it, he finally has reached his boiling point, and quite, uh, quite obviously when somebody comes in and shoots at him in his dojo. Mm-hmm. Um but I like that. I like the tension between the two of them because that feels, again, this feels like a real friendship, right? Because we right. see them being pally and chummy. And then the next... say. Yeah. And, and like we've seen them for a few episodes now. And then the next time we see the two of them together, they're getting shot at by Xavier. Duncan calls this guy by name. So Charlie immediately knows, okay, you know who this is. Now he's shooting at us. Then you're not telling the cops the full story. So he blows up at him. He straight up mm-hmm. yells at him. And and I like that because it feels like earned tension between characters. There's some times where him and Richie butt heads and it feels like it's just there as a plot contrivance. Yeah. And this uh, th- this is a well-written way to do that. Oh, yeah. I mean, like you said, at the very start, they set up Duncan and Charlie as buddies, like serious buddies going to some random, you know, exhibit of whatever. Um and just, you know, continuing to hammer home that this is a friendship, like not just a business arrangement, a friendship. And both Adrian Paul and uh, Philip Aiken sell it. Like mm-hmm. oh, they've totally. got that good dude chemistry that works and you believe they're really good friends. Mm-hmm. And it's it definitely comes ahead in this to a head in this episode when Charlie's like, okay, you got to tell me what's going on. And interesting that he doesn't tell the cops exactly what's going on. Like he keeps Duncan's confidence from the cops enough, but he confronts Duncan about it. It's like, okay, you didn't tell the cops what's going on, but you need to tell me what's going on, dude. Yeah. Yep. And that, again, that shows the level of friendship that they have and that Charlie is not going to overstep that line, but he's going to confront him about this. And then the next scene, like the next morning, as Duncan's getting ready to leave, Charlie's like, look, man, I'm leaving. He's like, I can't, I can't do this anymore. And Duncan's got to convince him to stick around. You know, we're going to fix up the dojo. Don't worry about how much it costs, blah, blah, blah. (laughs) But Charlie still like doesn't fully want to give up on it. And it does make him make a really poor decision, which is to follow Duncan at the end. Right. To where Duncan's going to confront Xavier. And even though he tells Charlie, look, let me handle this. 
Charlie's like, Charlie won't let go of it because, and, and part of it's Duncan's fault, right? Duncan isn't giving him yes. the full story. So Charlie's For like, sure. look, you're getting yourself into some shit here because these are, these are army guys. I know army. Let me help you. Mm-hmm. If Duncan would have, if Duncan would confide in him a little bit more, he might've been able to convince Charlie not to go. Right. Instead, Charlie follows him and he's got to knock him out and dump him in a closet. Yeah. There's your foreshadow. The- this is one of those things where it's like, yeah, it's a poor decision for Charlie only because we know what he's trying to get into. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's a good point. I think this is one of those things where it's like, if Duncan had confided in him enough, they could have tag teamed this thing. He could have taken Xavier. Charlie could have taken care of whoever else. Like, this would have been a good time for Duncan to confide in Charlie and use his knowledge. Yes. Like, I mean, we have seen multiple times throughout this series so far, Charlie is no slouch. Right. He can hold his own in what kind of whatever kind of fight they throw at him. Is he good against an immortal? No. Not really. Not yet. But I mean, he's military trained, so he could take care of some other folks if he needs to. Yeah, including he could have helped take care of Horton. Right. He could have been there instead of instead of going in and following Duncan straight into everything because that's the only way he knows how to get in. They could have devised some mm-hmm. kind of a plan and utilize that. Right. So yeah, it, it, it really is to Duncan's detriment that he is keeping Charlie in the dark so much. And now he, as, as that scene plays out, Charlie watches Duncan get shot in the chest by Horton. Yep. Gets shot himself, and when he wakes up barely alive in the hospital, there's Duncan who looks like nothing's happened at all. And right. and that scene was pretty powerful between the two of them. Mm-hmm. And again, credit it's to Phil been, Phil Aiken for his acting yeah. in there. And especially when he calls out Duncan, he's like, I saw where you got shot. Again, I'm military trained. I know what I saw. Mm-hmm. You took a death, a, a killing blow. You should be dead. How are you not dead? What's going on? Well, and then Duncan doesn't even deny it. He's like, no, you saw what you saw. Right. But it's complicated. It's like, you could just tell him. Now, I get where they're going with this, right? Duncan is afraid to tell Charlie. Not because mm-hmm. he doesn't trust Charlie, because I think he does enough as a character. But having lost Tessa at the uh, towards the beginning of this season, yep. he's afraid... Yep. He's so afraid to bring that burden onto anyone else that that's why he's keeping Charlie right. kind of at an arm's length. Mm-hmm. Um, but Charlie knows something isn't right. He just he just doesn't know any of the details to it. And yeah. and then they, to have him flatline in that scene when he's telling Duncan, like, before I die, you've got to tell me what's going on. And, and Duncan's like, you're not going to die. And then he flatlines. That scene that's rough because now you cut to Duncan in the um, chapel and right. he's sitting in there um, and we do find out that Charlie doesn't die, but that could have been a hell of a cliffhanger to, to end this episode on or put that right towards the end. Yeah. Like, honestly, I might have for tension build, I might have shuffled things around and pushed that confrontation scene between the two of them back just a little bit further and let it end mm. there. So we don't know. Yeah. Um, that would have been good. And, and you know, either way, like, the relationship between the two of these guys is so well done uh, in both mm-hmm. the writing and then their chemistry together. Yeah, for sure. 
Uh, and then, and we get Dawson back too. He's, he hasn't been around much mm-hmm. for a few episodes now, but, but he shows up and, you know, first it's, Hey, I just want to help Duncan. And, you know, I want to let you know what's going on here. We're, we're seeing some weird stuff happening. Um, right. And it, it ends on a very sour note for Duncan and Joe. Um, because yes, it does. once, once Duncan finds out that Horton is alive, he goes to Joe and confronts him about it at the hospital. Actually, Joe shows up, uh, probably because he heard about Charlie. It would be my guess. Um, yeah. Duncan confronts him about it and he still to his face lies to him and tells him you're, you're seeing things. He's dead. We right. buried him. But then a couple of scenes later, we see Duncan, uh, find out Joe's address and which I thought he already knew, but maybe he'd never been to his house, but he follows him. And he follows him to the dock and watches Joe get on a boat with Horton and then right. take off. And so it's like that lat, pro- some of the last shred of trust he had in Joe at that time mm-hmm. is gone. Well, I think Joe in the hospital didn't quite think he, because didn't Joe say he didn't think he was alive? And then when Duncan said that in the hospital, then that leads Joe to try and figure it out on, a, on his own. Well, no, so so after we see the scene where he gets on the boat, um, then Duncan waits for him at his house. And when he comes to right. the house, what Duncan tells him is, um, Joe Joe tells him, no, you know, I took him to the hospital. He lived. Oh, that's right. But he just said he wanted to get out of the country. And I didn't even know he mm-hmm. was in town until you said something. So That's what it was. So you've got Duncan, who's hearing from Horton, hey, we're a family. He's seen Joe get on the boat with Horton. Mm-hmm. And... Now he and and the the really uh, big moment was when when Duncan looks at Joe and says, "If you had known what he was doing, would you have stopped it?" And Joe can't yep. answer him. Right. Like up until that point, you really you can understand the motivations of Joe Dawson. Right. He's known James Horton for twenty five years. It's his brother in law. Mm-hmm. Right, their right. family. It's always complex when there's family involved. Yeah. So I get that, and honestly, Jim Burns just kills it again. Like you, you fully believe mm-hmm. that he he honestly does not think, even though he's he's seen what Horton can do, he still believed him enough uh, to let him go and and get out of the country. Mm-hmm. But then it that we end with Duncan looking past Joe and saying, the next time I see you, it'll be the last and walking away. And there's not even a retaliate. Like Joe can't even say anything. And that's where the episode ends. And that's such a, that's such a tough ending for these two men because Mm -hmm. it's been a slow build of any kind of trust that Duncan has in Joe in the first place. And rightfully so again, every basically almost every single watcher, that Duncan has run into in this season has been corrupt in some way, except right. for Joe. Mm-hmm. So why would he trust Joe? And now yep. he's got even fewer reasons for it. Mm-hmm. And, and th- this is one of those weird things where it's us that have watched the show and know where it's going and know who Joe is. We know Joe is a good guy. Mm-hmm. Motivation for keeping his brother-in-law alive, helping him get away. Yeah. Because he's a good guy. That's it. And Duncan doesn't know that yet. Duncan yeah. doesn't have that relationship with him at all to know that. He knows the little bit that Joe's told him. 
couple times it's been useful information, but more often than not, it looks like Joe's right there next to Horton and That's not true. doing anything about it. That's a really so good point. It, it's wild to to see this beginning and I don't did not remember how contentious it was to begin with with Joe. Yeah, I know. Looking back at it, I think you just always picture the two of them just being chummy and always getting along. But no, it was mm-hmm. very, very contentious early on. And and earned, earned contentious. Right. Um, yeah, it's, it's definitely written well. And can you imagine uh, watching this back when it was coming out weekly and hitting this point? Because you know this was the episode where it ended and then there was like, two or three weeks before the next episode, right? They had that kind of little mid-season break. Yeah. Um, and so you got to wait like three weeks to find out what's going on because it just ends up to be continued. Like, oof, rough, rough stuff. Um, but man, just give me more Jim Burns. He's so good. <laughs> Every single time he's on screen, you just yep. want more of him. He just breathes this character and he's so convincing. So... Good, good work out of Phil Aiken and uh, Jim Burns. Got some good Joe yeah, Dawson, cool, some sure. good Charlie DeSalvo. Uh, and thankfully, we know Charlie doesn't die. That would have been sad. Right. I mean, I talk about I talked about how it would have been a really great way to end the cliffhanger. Mm-hmm. Spe- and, and talk about piling it on, like making us as viewers think that Charlie is dead and that everything is blown up with Joe all in one fell swoop, mm-hmm. like... That would have been something else. So, <laughs> yeah, maybe that's why they didn't do that. Maybe they felt like that was Probably. too much to, to put We're, on there. They reined in the heavy a little bit. Yeah, but good work from them. Mm-hmm. Oh, not for the police! Oh, really, Charlie? You're gonna have to trust me. How the hell can I trust you when I don't even know what's going on? The only thing you have to know is that this is personal. Fine. Well, then you can have him, but I want a piece of those other guys. Uh, we do have a, a fight between Duncan and Xavier at the end. Um, yep. And it's, again, really good choreography. I actually like the way the story is being told in the fight because mm-hmm. Xavier is using his tricks. He's using his hook hand as advantage. Um, he's doing everything that he can. And he still doesn't have the upper hand on Duncan until right. Duncan sees Horton. Right. And then as soon as that happens, Horton shoots him and, you know, everything blows up. But... We had mm-hmm. we we actually had two because we did go back to the season one fight. So that I did like seeing the two different versions of that fight too because the season one fight, it was kind of the same thing, where he's using all the tricks that he's got, but he's not quite good enough to beat Duncan. Right. And the only way he got away was when he pulled out the gas canister and Duncan cut off his arm. He ran right away. And in this one, right, same kind of thing. He's good, but not quite good enough. But he's got Horton waiting for him to help him out. Horton says yep. Duncan's name that catches his attention. He turns around, he sees this ghost and that's enough. That's enough for Xavier to get the upper hand Horton shooting mm-hmm. him. But Xavier doesn't get his man, right? He doesn't get the head. Um, right. And that's because of Charlie. Yep. Cause then Charlie stumbles in, he gets shot up a bunch. Um, which by the way, w- w- where he got shot, he's probably not alive by the time Delaney and her crew gets there. Um, right. I mean, unlikely, but mm-hmm. you know, it, it made for a really good scene. I liked it overall. I think mm-hmm. the only, um, the only things I will say is from a production standpoint, when they did the shot of Adrian Paul getting shot in the chest, mm-hmm. 
you could see the squib board underneath his shirt. Because <laughs> it's kind of a, it, they slowed it down. They did the the uh, after, um, like after it shot slow down, so it's kind of choppy. Right. And you can clearly see like an outline of a piece of cardboard or something that's underneath his shirt <laughs> or like almost like a like a vest that he was wearing. Yeah. Uh, I thought that was funny. And then my only my only complaint cuz that whatever like i get that that's you know yeah. tv budget um that's also wardrobe always putting duncan in like a silk shirt yeah that too uh but my only real complaint was there is one moment in the fight as things are going on the the fight overall well paced i liked everything about mm-hmm. it but duncan jumps and does a forward flip over yes. Xavier St. Cloud right I was like, is he Power Ranger Ninja Duncan now? No doubt. Like suddenly he became superhuman <laughs> for a second because this is a this is going from two feet flat footed and jumping over a six foot tall man doing a front flip while uh-huh. you're doing. It. I was like, oh, that's that's bad. Like you because yeah. you know what? However, they shot that was a guy jumping off a trampoline to do it. But it was just mm-hmm. like this felt so weird and out of place, and it, it, yeah, it bothered me a lot because for the most part. In a, in a show about people that have lived for hundreds, if not thousands of years in sword fighting and having to cut off the head of the other person to win the fight, like it feels grounded in reality. You very yeah. rarely get this superhumanness on it. Even to the, mm-hmm. like, it doesn't even feel like a, like a superhero movie these days where people can just get pounded on and pounded on and, and keep getting up from it. Like they feel like real fights and right. like the, the, the impacts and everything have actual consequences, but that felt so cartoonishly out of place. Yeah, it did. So, <laughs> but outside of uh, silly front flips and uh, visible uh, squib vests, it was a good final fight. Mm-hmm. Also, one more thing about that final fight is when Duncan's first going to find Xavier. I was like, Xavier's on the other side of that pillar. That <laughs> yeah. Duncan's like way behind. I was like, how do you not see him? Come on. Or feeling, feel his presence. Yeah, I think they already established him feeling him, but it's still like oh, you could yeah. see him, you could so see him. Like that's... turn the camera or something. Yeah, Do better. That's true. You're an abomination. And what does that make you? I'm the man you can't kill. So that was Unholy Alliance Part One, and I gotta tell mm-hmm. you, it's a it's a good episode. It's got yeah, it is. All the hallmarks of the formula that you want. You got your bad immortal. Um, you got uh, a flashback in here. You've got a good sword fight. There was no quickening, but they also, this was part a two-parter, so they ended us with a to-be-continued. Um, it leaves us wondering right. the state of the relationship between Joe Dawson and Duncan. What's going on mm-hmm. with Charlie? Is he going to pull through all the way? I mean, there's a yeah, lot. who knows? And what I liked about it was it's it's it gives there's some stakes involved for Duncan, right? Right. For somebody who's immortal, what do you do? So uh, it's his relationships that you have to attack because you can't put his mm-hmm. life in danger. That's a lot harder to do, right? And so Charlie, uh, not listening, almost dying, kind of understanding that there's something not quite right about Duncan, but Duncan's still afraid to fully tell him what's going on. Um, mm-hmm. and then he finds out that this guy who has just got a life vendetta against him, Horton is still alive. And right. the man he thought he trusted about that was lying to his face about it the whole time. Yep. Um, 
for whatever the intentions that that Joe had, he still lied to him. Uh, mm-hmm. And yeah, like it's just it's a good episode. I'm glad they didn't try to pack uh, all of that into a single episode. Yeah, with resolution, they're they're leaving it open ended, and that's good because I think. Mm. I think in a syndicated show like this, where you're sort of trying to make it a, an immortal of the week and you want it to be episodic and you know that uh, when you're when you're producing it, you know that it's going to be shown out of order. Right. At some point, like it's good to occasionally do these little two part, three part type episodes, these little mini arcs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, because it lets you play around with some things more. It lets you bring back a character or use a character for more than, you know, the 10 minutes of screen time you're going to give them in a normal episode. So, right. Uh, with the exception of a couple silly things like the, the front flip in the, the fight and the fact that I now can't unsee the spandex shorts under the kilt, like <laughs> just a good episode. And it's, in, yeah. it's once again, it's a very simple premise, right? It's two of Duncan's biggest enemies get together because one is just a hedonist who will kill anybody because it's fun and he gets profit out of it. The other one hates all immortals and so decides to use this immortal uh, basically as the tip of his spear, right? Right. And so they're working together. We get, we actually get a title drop in it. Horton even says it's, <laughs> it's kind of an unholy alliance. And I was like, ooh, ooh, roll credits. <laughs> um, but it, it's really good. I think the only, the weakest part of it is the character of Delaney. And it's not Stacy Travis's fault. It's it's not yeah. even that the character doesn't belong. She just feels weirdly out of place. Like you could have almost gotten rid of. You could have had the idea that Charlie knew this guy Rick Davis, and that's mm-hmm. what gave away to Duncan potentially. Even though the funny thing is that that um, Saint Cloud goes to Davis and is like, "Look, you were sloppy. Duncan shouldn't have known I was coming." But it wasn't even his fault. Right. It was Joe that that gave him the warning that somebody was coming. Mm-hmm. So that sort of drives home just how nasty a guy's Saint, uh, Xavier is. Right. Oh, yeah. And, um, but you, you could have given, like you could have had all of that and not had this extra character with a weird subplot of, she happens to be following this. She happened to be investigating that guy mm-hmm. at that time to run into Duncan. So it feels a little bit of happenstance, and you were right. It sort of feels like a let's throw it against the wall and see if it sticks. Right. And I think it it also feels like, okay, we've got the rest of this episode written out. We know what to do with all of this. We've got some time we have to fill. How do we fill it? Mm-hmm. Well, what if we try this and just, you know, yeah. kind of deal with it and just let it roll? So, I mean, what a, it, like it's not bad. It just feels like that could have been utilized better or right. And we didn't really have a character that could have filled that role, I suppose, because Richie's off on his own and there is no other side mm-hmm. character. We've got Charlie in a hospital bed and we've got to have the tension between him and Joe. So yeah, the only know, other character I thought of was they showed video of Duncan in that store with Amanda. I wondered if she was going to show up at all. She could have kind of filled that role, but it, it would have been, I think too much for Amanda, like not enough for Amanda to do anything because they weren't having her ca- that character yeah. do anything with this story. So it would have been a little, that's true. I don't know, a little too damselly and a little too hands off for her. 
Well, there'd be no reason for Amanda to be in town. And I think that's the right. hard thing. You'd have to manufacture a reason for her to be there. Right. And it would have felt just as shoehorned as having this CID officer there. Mm-hmm. At least there we've got, there's an out if it doesn't stick where you can just be like, well, she's got to right. go back to Washington. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, overall, I really like this episode probably. Oh, yeah. And I, I know I've said it a couple times recently, but probably the best episode of this season so far. Like it, it's again, we're trending in the right direction. Yeah. Um, this is like a Hallmark Highlander episode. It really is. Sure. This is what Highlander is good at. And what it when mm-hmm. it's good, it's this. When it's when it's less good, it's last week's episode. So Right. <laughs> uh now next week we get some resolution because it's Unholy Alliance Part Two. And so Part two. we get to find out what happens with Joe and Duncan. Is Charlie gonna mm-hmm. be okay or what's gonna happen with him? Um, you know, it, it, what's, what's up with Delaney at all? Uh, do, does yeah. Horton get his comeuppance or does he live to fight another day? Um, and Xavier for that matter. So, mm-hmm. uh, we get all sorts of resolutions and unho- unholy Alliance part two. So that's going to be next week. Um, yep. now we record on Tuesday nights at twitch.tv slash TV's Travis. So if you want to come, uh, kind of see how the show gets made a little bit, um, Hang out with us, chat with us. If you got any uh, sure. anything that you want to talk about uh, in the particular episode, please do. Uh, you always can. It's twitch.tv slash TV's Travis. The show comes out on Thursdays at anchor.fm slash Let's Watch Highlander. And you can get it at all your favorite podcasting uh, locations. If you do um, want to help us out and you can leave us a review uh, and a rating, that helps make the show more discoverable so other people that like Highlander can, can check it out. Um, as well as uh, word of mouth, you know, spreading that around is always great. For and, sure. And and talk to us on Twitter. We're both on Twitter. I'm at TV's Travis, TVS Travis, and Audie, you are oddly normal one. And that's the one spelled out. Yep. So you know, if you listen to the show and you like it, send us a message on Twitter. We're we're always happy to talk Highlander or anything uh, for that matter. Heck yeah. And we love the feedback. So. Mm-hmm. Until next week in Unholy Alliance Part 2, remember that there can be only one uh, boat ride between Joe Dawson and Horton. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs>